That's your t-shirt now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Do you have any uh, Italian descent? Oh, yeah. We got a barana. Yeah. Any bag of donuts over here? <laughs> so I'm half Italian and half Irish, which makes me Catholic. Okay. So but I'm a bad Catholic. I'm a terrible Catholic. Actually, I was, dad's side was um, English Irish. Mom's side was Italian. Um, but they were Episcopalian. And then as I grew up, I went to Catholic school though and got kicked out. They were like, you're super fun, but you are a problem. And you're Episcopalian. So we're out like over our quota of non-Catholic people. Because I went to Notre Dame (laughs) Elementary and then they go to the high school. They were like, bye. Right. Fuck those guys. We good. All right. See, that's the pre-banter that's the best. It's just some like shit talking and then the mic comes on. You're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Anyway, so round the <laughs> round the room, if you don't mind, introducing yourselves. Let's start with you. I'm Rob, Rob Huberty. Um, I'm COO and one of the co-founders of Zero Eyes. Awesome. Uh, how do you take your coffee? I mean, straight espresso. Yeah? Straight espresso, yeah. Right, or, cool. or black coffee. I'm, I'm pretty nerdy with it. And we're all very caffeinated this morning. Oh, yeah. I'm right out of the gate. I'm sweating pretty good. <laughs> I'm pretty jacked up right That's now. Right. So, yeah, I titrate to pit stains. <laughs> and they're nice and low or creeping up right here. That's when I'm like, I think I'm going to back off the caffeine a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Run hot. All right. Now that's fine. What do you got? Sam Malimo, uh, co-founder of Zero Eyes. Um, coffee black on the very, very rare occasions I can drink it. I'll enjoy it. Nice. Yeah. Rare occasions you get some IBS or something. What's going exactly. On? Yeah. Yeah. I have that's to avoid it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a real. Maybe thing. once a month I'll down it, and it's the religious experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> good. Afghan crud. Right. Right. Well, it's people that like do anything in in excess, right? So my brother is a total weirdo, and he's the guy like only drinks out of glass bottles and all the things. He's like, yeah, man, I really got into uh, MCT oil. He goes, I used it like a cleanse. Like, how much MCT do you drink? He goes, oh, I drink like, it's about a coffee cup full. Oh. Jesus. Like, you need a teaspoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I go, what did that look like? Did you just rooster tail the back of the toilet? Like, was that just a complete <laughs> abortion in there? It's just a really bad idea. But I don't know, maybe that was too much. Anywho, moving on, Mike. Yeah, Mike Leif, CEO of Zero Wise. Met these guys in the military and we started the company back in 2018. Okay, awesome. And how do you take your coffee? Black and strong. Black and strong. Okay, so I absolutely love a veteran entrepreneur story. So I feel like it would be kind of the right thing to do to figure out where this all began. And for all the listeners, I'm, I'm outnumbered. We got a lot of SEALs in here versus, <laughs> versus the uh, Army Chair Force guy. So I'm not going to say I'm intimidated, but it's... It's just a lot of seal meat up in here. <laughs> a lot of seal meat. However, how'd it go? How'd you guys meet in the military? What did that, how did that work? You said you were some of his guys. and Yeah. Yeah. So I was, a, I was a knucklehead when I was younger in college. 9-11 happened, dropped out, enlisted, goal to become a seal. That's a long story. Took a while to get the training. Met Rob when I was initially there. That was 2005. Where, where are you from? Philly. Okay, cool. And then um, I did not make it through SEAL training that first time. I, was, I actually quit, which uh, that doesn't even matter. But 
quit and then went back like a year later. And then uh, when I went back, went to SEAL Team 4. And that's where I met Sam. We're all on the same troop. You know, I think there's a lot to be said, though. I talk about a buddy of mine, Pat Johnson. It was a Ranger School thing, right? It's not the guys that make it the first time that I think are the hardest. I, I made it through. I just didn't, you know, get rolled back at any point. People were like, man, that's rad. I go, yeah, my buddy Pat did each phase like twice. So the dude that steps back up to the plate a lot of times. Yeah, you know what's coming. You know what's coming. Yeah, You're like, yeah. Fuck. You also have the impending doom of whatever torture you've already experienced and the <laughs> empirical knowledge of like, fuck, I have to do that again. So that that's the harder human. In so my opinion. I think Mike is the perfect example of it. The Mike doesn't belong probably in every room that he's in, and that makes him belong in every room that he's in more. Absolutely. Yeah. So when he quit, I remember it because like, we were friends. Um, I was shocked because I thought he was a stud. And the next class he went through, he was the honor man of the class. So without nice. bragging, to be honor man of a buds class is really, really tough. And usually it goes to like the best athlete or I, I think that like the, the favoritism of like who the class votes is, is usually not. A lot of it's just like the performer, like who, who can carry the log the furthest and yeah. whatever the case may be. But like when you know Mike and you know like the trials and tribulations and like the, what he's willing to go do. Like people follow that and didn't make it through the first time, honor man the second time. Fuck yeah. It's that's pretty a, badass. It's also the, the selflessness. I mean, you're, you're the most selfless person I ever met. And like, that should be the definition of any honor man in any class. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. That feels good. Yeah. I mean, I was just <laughs> blushing a little bit. I made it through the first time and I probably would prefer the first time than the second of honor man, but you know, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it was, it's badass. That's awesome. All right. So you guys met early on. Yep. Link back up. Where did you come in, Sam? Let's keep the ball rolling. I want to build the whole picture here. Similar thing to Mike. I grew up in Northeast PA in a town called Dallas. Um, I wanted to be a SEAL since I was 15. Yeah. Um, so I gave college because my mom wanted me to give it a shot. I quit promptly. Yep. Enlisted. Uh, went through Buzz in 2008. That's where I met Trevor. Um, Trevor Thompson. Yep. Trevor Thompson. Awesome. Did a couple tours to Afghanistan with these guys. And then I transitioned out in 2013. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So where, where are you from? So I grew up in a town called Monroe, Connecticut. Wrong. T- it totally ties into right. the Zero Eye story. I to, I dr- drop it, Rob. That was called Chalk Hill. Okay. It was renamed Sandy Hook Elementary School. Uh, so it wasn't an identical school. Like, so it was the same building, like three miles apart. Mm-hmm. They bulldozed that whole school and everybody went to the school that I went to. And like, that was a town where a mass shooting was impossible. Like crime in that town was like, high school kids smoking weed in the parking lot of the Cumberland Farms. Like, yeah. it's just, it, it was so far from what it could be. From my the fourth floor of my high school, you could see the World Trade Center. And, uh, you know, that that led me to go in and basically for revenge. So. Yeah, that was, well, I'd feel that was a goosebump moment right. for me, like the antithesis of how this all came together. So 13, you're out, right? Yep. How, where, how did you conceptualize Zero Eyes? How did that happen? Yeah, so a little after 10 years of active duty, it was time for, I have four kids. You, know, you get it. You're never home. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to get out and do something. I applied to B school. I was fortunate enough to get into Wharton Business School back in Philly, which to this day, I'm shocked that I got in there. But anyway, went there. You don't belong, but you belong. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, went to school and I was like, what am I going to be when I grow up? Yeah. Sam and I... Tried buying a company together when we got out. That didn't work out. Then I went to corporate, to Comcast. That wasn't for me. 
But then it was like, at the time, it just seemed like every time you turn on the news, another school shoot, nothing's changed. It's still the same fucking shit today. Mm. But then it was happening and it was like, this is nuts. Parkland school shooting happened. My daughter, my oldest daughter's school started doing lockdown drills, active shooter drills. And she came home like really upset. And I was like, something needs to be done. Uh, knew some guys are doing facial recognition technology. They already had a thing called Zero Eyes. Um, but I was at my daughter's school and there's all these security cameras in there. I was there for a sport event. And I was like, wait, who's watching the cameras? As security guard, he like laughed. He was like, no one's looking at the cameras. Oh, fuck. And I was like, wait a second. If you could do facial recognition technology, why don't we detect guns? You detect a gun, you can send alert to first responders. They have a picture of the shooter, what type of weapon, geolocates them on a map. Like that information is crucial mm-hmm. in those events. So I called these guys up and I was like, hey, I have an idea for a company. What guys, year is this? 2018. Okay. Oh, yeah. There you go. So you started right away. Yeah. I was like, you guys want to do this? And they quit their jobs and we moved into my basement. Like literally guys sleeping in hammocks in my basement for like six months. Um, yeah, here we are. That is fucking awesome. So I think even beyond that though, like we all got out of the military. I did it. Same thing to have family. I've got four kids now. Mm-hmm. But we all went from enlisted to Ivy League MBAs, which is maybe not necessarily common. I mean, I think a lot of guys go pursue that. And part of the reason that you do it is because it feels safe and prestigious and it does, you know, these great things for you. And it was great. I went, I went to Wharton with Mike. He was a year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. He went to Columbia. Places that we probably don't belong. How do we get in? Well, yeah. I don't know. Well, it, it, it's a thing. And for those that don't know, and, and although it, I think I did it because I went along the same path. You know, I did the... Uh, I have no idea how it happened. Got into Columbia, UPenn, Yale, Princeton. Princeton was the other one. I think it's important to highlight for those that are transitioning out that those schools, they want special operations, veterans. It's possible. I did not have the GPA. Somehow there's magical things where they want to give back and they also like having veteran numbers and there's a million ways to do it. I had kids. I wasn't service disabled. I was still a guard guy. So financially, I couldn't crack the nut on going to Columbia and figuring out how to have kids and whatever the fuck. Um, but it is, it is a good transition. You know, everyone, I think, gets to a point where they're looking for their exit strategy. You know, what is it? And if you can, especially if you're a single dude and you can go get an education, it's more about, I think, the network and opening your eyes to a, a totally different thing with all that awesome you know, your veteran experience also. So yeah, I think it's rad. So you go through this process and like you try to figure out what it is that you like to do. Mm -hmm. And I think the veteran struggle, I don't know what I like, which is crazy. Like how do you not know what you like after doing all of this, you know, these amazingly impossible things, these missions, you go to business school and you don't really find purpose. You, You can find a lot of jobs and some of them are really cool and some people do. I don't think that we did. No. You guys did a bunch of stuff Definitely. together. Yeah. But I, I got out and I worked for Amazon and like, awesome. I mean, what a company. It's amazing. Right. And like, it didn't, it didn't scratch that itch. And every day I went to work, it just wasn't, it wasn't the thing that I wanted. Fulfillment's a huge thing. And it, everything that you're doing, you're grasping for like this brass ring that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And every time you hold on to it, it disappears. So the transition process of that is getting, you know, you get into this business school, you're like, I don't belong here. And you go through it and you're like, well, what did I learn from this? I'm not really sure. And then you get the job that you, oh my God, what a company. Mm-hmm. And then you get it and you're like, I don't know that this is for me either. Mm-hmm. And then what do you do? 
you go find people that you love and you care about and you go to try to tackle a problem that matters to you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're doing at Zero Eyes. The, the fulfillment's huge. I mean, so we, we did that with Milestone and Private Equity a little bit and there was no noble mission. Mm-hmm. There was no tight-knit team. And guys like us, all four of us at the table and everybody at Black Rifle, I think you don't quite realize what you have in the military when you have it. And then when you get out, it becomes painfully obvious. You got to have a noble purpose. You have to have a good fight. And you have to be able to do it with people that you love. I couldn't agree more. And you that's know, what you guys have here at Black Rifle. It's amazing. It really is. And what you give back or... I think when you come from communities and you know that you're contributing, you know, you're there. If nothing else, but, you know, if you hit a dry hole objective, you bellied up. You're ready to do things that day. And sometimes things happen and sometimes they don't. But you know that there's a, a greater purpose for what you're doing. And when you get out, it's like, what's that next thing? And it's the grass is greener thing. Well, hey, I'm going to go be an yeah. educated human and you know, affect positive change. And then you, like you said, you get the job and you don't have that purpose and fulfillment and you end up, I don't know, chasing that dragon, you know, trying to struggle what that is. It's yeah. yeah, I literally have the worst case of FOMO ever. You know, when I, (laughs) seriously, when I don't feel like I'm really contributing, you know, people joke like you're, you've been in the mill for over 20 years. I'm still in the guard. And I joke that I have like two good ideas left and Maybe I'll get another deployment or something under my belt and just do it one more time. But there is that time when you're like, you know what? I have to figure out how to hang the gun up and find another purpose. You know, and it's awesome that you guys found it. I love when people land a black rifle and they find it when they see the good things that you're doing. Man, search for meaning. (laughs) Yep. All right. So let's keep going with that. You're all sleeping in hammocks. Do it, doing SEAL stuff. No pants, UDT shorts, whatever it looks like. <laughs> Burpees, sweat. Yeah. Lots of hair gel. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm not in that department. I mean, I got, you got to look cool, right? Yeah, that's that's like speed. 90% of the job, maybe 120. I can't, I don't, I don't remember the number. Yeah, absolutely. The basement days were funny. So it was like, all right, we got this company. It's called Zero Eyes. Awesome name. We loved it. We're like, all right, we're going to use security cameras, tech guns and use AI, do all this stuff. And we got together, we literally had nothing. And it was like, well, fuck, how do we do this? And so we just started grinding. Like our CTO, Tim Solzer, he's fucking genius. But uh, we're like, all right, let's make an AI model. How do we do that? We like, literally taught ourselves. AI? Yeah, yeah, what's AI? <laughs> like the AI, files AI is kind of like the, the wrong term, really, if you want to get like super nerdy about it. People should say computer vision, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. For, for purposes here, we'll say artificial intelligence. And so we made a... Uh, we're like, all right, let's make a, a model that detects guns. And we made our first one, ran over a YouTube video from a Matrix clip. And it looked awesome. It's detecting guns everywhere. We're like, oh, fuck yeah. And then we hooked it up to a security camera in my backyard and we're walking around my backyard with real guns. And I live in like a suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> my neighbors were like, who are these dudes with all the tats and beards and walking around this backyard with assault rifles? <laughs> Uh, and it worked like hot garbage. It was embarrassing. And we we're like, so we just kept going back to the drawing table and just kept working on it, grinding. And then finally got it to a point that we could demo without being completely embarrassed. And we got into a high school in New Jersey. We we're just heads down focused there for like a year. I think the takeaway that we learned in starting something that we've never done before is A, B test. It's mm-hmm. not... A lot of people walk around with imposter syndrome. We're like, I shouldn't be doing this. And I think that everybody does that. Even, even when you make it, you're just like, do I deserve these things? Am I smart enough? Am I good enough? And in, in the world of AI, like everyone has PhDs who's good, right? 
And we don't have that. We have MBAs. But what we can do is we can grind and we can A and B test and we can just test again, 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 and we can grind. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did. And that's how we kept getting better. Somebody let us grind in their facility. So you had a school as a test bed in New Jersey. Valley High School in New Jersey. That's fucking phenomenal. They were awesomely open to us being there, experimenting in the hallways and nights and weekends. They opened that all up for us. And I'm assuming local law enforcement knew about that when you're just oh, yeah, slinging some M4s around. And... We, we definitely had the cops called on us quite a few times. <laughs> How um, did that go? How many times were you on your belly in cuffs or did it get disarmed no, before that point? No, usually we saw it coming because uh, we have a special set of skills uh, <laughs> that we required through time. Yep where you can see kind of those things coming and you're just like, hey guys, <laughs> I think that we have a misunderstanding here. Yeah. We had already called law enforcement. Here's our company. I, I would say that there was a restaurant that we were in the parking lot that was real bad that a Chuck E. Cheese was across the street. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. Shit. I got rolled up the hardest that I've ever been rolled up on anything where there was probably like eight cars that drove into me. And it was they like, came in hot. Hi. They came in hot. Yeah. That's, and that's I didn't, I had already put down the, you know, the, the, we use like airsoft guns when we okay. do that kind of stuff. So it wasn't even on me. And I mean, you know what they're doing. You're just like, yep. We had called the other police station. <laughs> we were like on the border between two townships or something. Oh, that's no matter what yeah. you do, you can, you can notify the police all you want, but like there's different jurisdictions that will always bite you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Some dude going home, right. you know, off duty, right. whatever. Yeah, that's interesting. But you, you stopped on a point that I think is very important. You, your analogy was MBA, you know, versus PhD and everything else. This is things that I pass on to my kids. You know, my, my son tried lacrosse and he was new. And I was like, you can outgrind talent or being practiced at something. And I think that it gets discouraging. And I've seen it. I've, I've felt it in myself. You know, when you try your side hustle, try to start a business or whatnot, and you feel discouraged and things come become overwhelming. But I think it's awesome that you just went back to what we know, which is... I can, I can outwork you. Yeah. You might have a PhD, but I will put in the reps and the time and grind through this and make it happen. And here you are. It helped so, that we had like a awesome core team that founded the company. Like we all had our lows, high highs, low lows, yeah. and able to pick each other up. That's, yeah. that's important. It is important. You're talking about the power of the knuckle dragger. Yes. The PhDs have a certain power, but the knuckle dragger will never stop. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Relentless. I mean, the there's, there's something to be said from where we come from, the simple solution, you know, at any time you describe like, well, how does the military work at the highest level? And you're like, we just do the basic thing really well. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that we're good. It's everybody else is that bad. Mastery of the basics under stress. And yeah. so yeah. what we're doing in this company is simple solutions. Every time somebody comes up with like something that's really sophisticated that has 10 steps, you're like, nope, we're just doing the one thing that we can do every single time. Mm -hmm. And when you build a company and with that and a, a team that's willing to go in that direction, you can, you can achieve any goal that you want as long as you set that goal and you keep trying. And yeah. so, so in our company, Mike has three rules for his kids. And uh, I think that we kind of, as a company, we've, we've taken those on. Yeah. Yeah, that's so um, one's a golden rule, right? Just mm -hmm. treat others the way you want to be treated. It's pretty, everyone should follow that, but a lot of people don't. Absolutely. Uh, you want to get better at something, just practice. Practice, practice. You want to be good at something, you just keep grinding. Mm -hmm. And if you, uh, you get knocked down, you get back up and stay in a fight every time. You follow those three things, you'll be fine in life, anywhere you go. Yeah, I love and that. I, I brought it into the company and my, all my kids have it memorized. You can ask them any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> or your dad's three rules. Like stand up straight and spit yeah. it out. I'm yeah. like, that's right. <laughs> that's a proud moment. 
love it. <laughs> I would make my son do the um, range safety rules. Yeah. Do the brief. We'd go on this prairie dog with a buddy of mine. And the first time he was a little apprehensive, he didn't have kids yet. And I was like, oh, hold on. Boy, go. Yeah. And he rattles right through him. He's like, I feel so much more comfortable. But your eight-year-old is like spot on. <laughs> it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. So using the school, what was the what were the test trials and tribulations that happened there? I mean, what did what was the learning curve like? I can only imagine. Cause I'm yeah. I'm thinking through like anybody would. And I think we've all had this feeling like my kids go to school and I'm curious about, you know, the security situation. I've been super lucky in a charter academy and where they're at now in Washington state that they are like locked down. They know what they're doing. They definitely don't have the technology that we're talking about here. But I feel like there's fed spots and there's voids and there's camera limitations and maybe the type of camera if the camera's monitored. So what did you learn from the school? Like what did that... God, Rob runs it's operations. Always, it's always okay. worst case scenario. So the thing that you build and you create in your sterile environment, the PhD environment on, you know, like a college campus where they have an idea and they just, you know, they run it to ground is totally, you know, the everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. And so yep. we just start with the punch in the face and then build your plan after that. It's a little bit of what it is. And that's the knuckle dragger way to A and B test. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to get anywhere unless you're constantly punched in the face. So with our technology, we rely upon, like, you have to have cameras. If you don't have cameras, then it doesn't work, right? Ours, it's entirely based on that. Then it's, what is your network like? What is cell phone reception? Are there repeaters? Is there any other alternative communication? And we had to learn every single one of those. And by learning in, you know, a very typical environment, schools are built of cinder blocks for the most part. There's no cell reception in the middle of most schools. The Wi-Fi is spotty. The cameras don't work. If you think that a camera is up in a in a you know an important situation, something terrible happens in front of a camera. Just look at the feed. You have probably like an eighty percent chance of that camera working. What's the limitation? What's a? It's just that when there's hundreds of cameras up, nobody does any kind of you know EMS like the 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 maintenance on something. Nobody looks at is this actually up and running. There's an assumption that it is, and you know depending where you're at, maybe it's ninety. Maybe it's 80, maybe it's 70% of the cameras are even working. Hmm. So you go in with an assumption and then we have to learn something that we've never even tried before. And every single day, the solution is, okay, what do we know about cameras? We have to learn. What do we do about this? I don't know. Does this camera work? Let's test it. And every single thing is just like a simple solution. And it's just getting better at something simple, doing that cycle again and again and again. And to think that you can plan that first before you execute it is incorrect. You have to do it, and then you need iterations of it. Repetition. You know, when we were learning to draw our pistol, they would say, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. You're like, you're saying slow is fast. That's what you're saying. And it's the truth. Like, you have to do something very basic, and then you have to iterate it. Do it again and again and again. And seemingly, something very complicated becomes pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing the complicated to easy for four years, and we're going to do it every single day of this company. Well, I think it's really important to get to that point where you can come up with a consistent and recreatable. Maybe it's just that I'm sure that you have some sort of course of action now that's templated based on what you've learned of like checklist. Okay, yeah. is the camera working? Is it plugged in? Is there a power source? Is there and I'm I'm just life is a checklist and yeah. if if you if you're bad at a checklist, you're probably bad at a job. Yeah. <laughs> you better you better life. That's it. And like everybody it. hates checklists. You could be like I'm the biggest checklist person and then you 
spot check them like are you using your checklist like ah I am a checklist right, person right. actually and it's because I'm an idiot yeah and I learned very quickly that a reference means that it takes away a factor that I don't have to worry about if I can bang down that thing then I can go back to the DNA going back to your you know draw draw sequence or stroke whatever you want to call it if you've got your core DNA built in there the checklist just keeps you within the, the boundaries mm-hmm. you know? All right, so we're learning at uh, the school in New Jersey. How did that? How did that move forward? What was the next evolution of the company? So we, when we were there, it was like, all right, we there was a couple of things we had to really work on. One was like, how do we get multiple pull multiple camera feeds at once and run our AI models over it? But then we also had to make our AI model better. So you could detect guns in all sorts of different environments. But then we're also like, okay, cool. Now we're detecting weapons and we got this alert. Who are we sending it to? How are they receiving it? Et cetera. So we like, we sat with the police. Rob was going into 911 centers and sitting with them, asking the client. We, we were just like totally engrossed with the, with the customer and not just the customer, but like the people who would be using that information and respond. That took a, well, I mean, we're still learning from it, but like, we just stayed in that one spot for a year and we went an inch wide, five miles deep. Right. And then, um, then yeah. So then we got to a point they were like, yeah, we'll pay for this. And we we're like, sweet. We is the, oh, the city, client. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the school. Yep. And, um, that took us to about the beginning of 2020. And then, uh, we raised some capital from it because before then we self-funded the business. Like literally we, we burned the boats. Yep. We, we like, no more TSP accounts, kids' college accounts gone, like credit cards maxed out. I had like a dollar in my checking account at one point. It's and I was a special like, feeling. <laughs> oh, dude, Literally paying yeah. employees with your credit card. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, so Mike has this superpower um, and it's not being smart. He's smart enough. It's, it's something that you could do tomorrow if you had it. And it's called having balls. Yep. <laughs> I've never met a person in my entire life who has more balls about financial things. He's like, what's the worst cap? But I could go bankrupt. And you're like, yeah, it matters. He's just like, I don't care. And you're just like, yeah, throw it in the credit card. I mean, 500-ish thousand on, yeah. on credit card debt. Yeah. Uh, oh. Well, it was, I maxed oh. out on credit card debt at around 120K, but I had a bunch of other savings. So I had like a real estate business before Zero Eyes. And I mean, I sold everything. I put every dime into it. And it Put me in a hurt locker for a while. But I, I love that you did that. Like you had so much belief and confidence in what you were doing. Like I do, as you're telling me the story, I'm a dad. And this is concerning to me. This is a huge fucking thing. And you're tackling that problem. And like you said, burning the ships, I couldn't think of a nobler way to do it. I mean, it's manifested in some financial deficit, but that's truly going, fuck it. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. I was looking at like this, this, the state of what was going on with all these like mass shootings. I was like, someone needs to do something. I mm-hmm. like, this isn't the end all be all. This isn't like good security comes in multiple layers, but like we're something that could, it's proactive. It could really help. Like think about those first responders getting that active shooter call. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what they're going into. They, they roll up on like a hundred acre campus and they're like, they just know there's someone running around with an assault rifle and they're like, yeah. What do they look like? How many? Like, what kind of gun do they have, et cetera? Well, I mean, it's it's less information that we probably collectively had on objectives when you when you know where you're going and you're at least, at least able, you know, to look at ISR and have a layout or have, you know, a last known location. We knew some shit sometimes. 
Yeah. And that builds your confidence level and at least gives you a targeted place to go to, which I think is invaluable. Yeah, their goal is to stop the killing and stop the dying. 100%. And the information we give them with that picture with the shooter, the location, the gun that's in the shooter's hands, they can get right to where that shooter is because we send a geolocation of that first image, mm -hmm. which enables them to stop the shooting. They know exactly where to go instead of clearing a, a 500,000 square foot facility or a mall, they can go right to where they need to go in the northwest corner. It's targeted focus. And then there's also oh, a breadcrumb yeah. trail we can provide based on what cameras that shooter walked in front of. Then you can follow that breadcrumb back and start to stop the dying. Oh, that's like It literally great. takes care of the two major points of law enforcement response. And that's what we're trying to do. That's why, you know, there was all this suffering going on. It was for that noble purpose. And like the shootings are, are outrageous. Like Uvalde. Yeah. Um, shooter walked up outside like the Grim Reaper, gun fully exposed, walked in like the Grim Reaper. Went into rooms 111, 112, which were fourth grade classrooms because he felt traumatized in his fourth grade year. And somehow they were culpable for his, his pain. Mm -hmm. And what, what we're trying to do is send those alerts. Say, hey, there's a guy with a gun. Hasn't even been fired yet. Start driving. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. in the military, the, the best, the, the way that I like to describe it is when you're using information, you kind of cheat. I wanted to cheat every single time that I could because my life is on the line and I don't want to go into a situation without cheating if I can help it. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, I want to win. So it turns out there's an infrastructure and information that's knowable beforehand. Why don't we use that? And it was really frustrating to look at like pictures of Columbine where there's like, there, they, there was video cameras and they're not, you know, nobody did anything with that information. And every single one, like these people walk around like the Grim Reaper wanting to have like a higher body count and do something and like, there was information that you could have done something about and we're just reactive. What if we just do something that's proactive? Right. And it's, it sounds really simple and I think it ultimately is. The execution of it, it's difficult, but like the whole idea is to like give people time back and be proactive rather than reactive. And we were looking at this where I was like, yeah, we're going to burn the boats, go do this because it's a zero or one game for us. Like either this is going to be a one, like a total win mm -hmm. and it's going to, we're going to save lives doing this. We go bankrupt, go back to zero. If I have to, I'll go do some contracting or yeah, I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We're, we'll go grind on something else. And then, uh, but so 2020 hit and then raised some funding to keep us going, which was nice. And then um, COVID hit and we were just focused on schools at the time and all, but no one was going to school anymore. Yeah. But a weird, like gun sales went through the roof because of COVID. Gun violence went through the roof. It was like this weird, unfortunate, perfect storm for our company and being positioned where we were. And then we just got a ton of inbound leads for commercial and government. And so we just kept rocking right through COVID, doing installs. And now we're in like 27, 28 states, something like that. Right now, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I didn't realize you were quite Across big. all three. Oh, yeah. It's education. We're, I think, 20 right now. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. We're at yeah. like 110 employees. We're, mm -hmm. I mean, we went from, I mean, there's seven. The year with 46, I think. Yeah. So we doubled this year. And we're, wow. we're throwing a lot of veterans. I mean, I would say we're 50-ish or even more. It's, I think it's like 70. We're close to 70 veterans in a company veterans. out of like the 110 that we have, 110 people we have in the company. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. a bunch of people. We look for missionaries, not mercenaries. Mm -hmm. You know, people who believe in the cause and struggle the same way that we struggled and want to do something that matters in their life. And, you know, we need to do good to do well. So if our product is successful, we're going to make the world a better place. And then like we can make financial gains after that, but mm -hmm. we need to do good first. And I think that having a bunch of veterans on that journey with you 
who have like that selfless service inherent within them. Like it's not perfect. Like it's deeply flawed. But like they have that, you know, when the when your back is against the wall and you need something, and it's it's awesome to be with, you know, people who are just like, dude, I got you. Yeah. And they're not going to make some big deal about it. They're just going to do it. And that's, it's just so inherent. And I, I don't know what it is, whether it's like they signed the line and that's the person they always were or it made them that. I, I don't, it's different for everybody maybe. Mm-hmm. But like we get to build a company that does that and it makes me want to do it more. Yeah, I feel like veterans are probably just beaten. I hope they all hear this and beat down the door, you know, with whatever knowledge they have or however they can help as you guys grow. Because that's a huge growth, you know, it's, 100% it's, it's in a year. And if we want most of them to be veterans, I mean... Like the, the number one thing I, I think I like about the veterans is they have this like savage pleasure in adversity. Mm-hmm. They love it. I love it. <laughs> well said. Take a note. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to be stealing that line. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. yeah. Put that on another t-shirt. Well, and it's, you're giving back what we, you specifically were talking about, about that purpose. Yeah. Like, fuck man, I might be the install guy and like whatever, but if this saves one, one person, one kiddo, whatever, in the future, that's it, man. Yeah. All that debt, all that stress, you know, all those it's going things. It's yeah. going to happen. It's close. Well, I mean, we detect guns all the time and it's like, there are a shocking amount of guns in schools yeah. for odd reasons that I had never seen com- coming that I haven't oh. learned throughout this company. That aren't fired. That's why you don't hear about it. Okay. Once so, it's plugged in, you realize, oh my God. Let's, to quantify for people that are listening, because... I've done a lot of CQB, right? Larger teams, squads, whatever, all the way down to single, right? And we talked about building that knowledge of where last known location is for the shooter in this case. That completely changes the timeline. So if people aren't thinking about it, if like you said, clarify, we say it because we understand CQB of like clear a 5,000 square foot X, whatever that is. If I don't know where that person is, until they shoot or a vector, which is time, that's time in life that's going away quickly. If I can go specifically to that point, it changes my timeline so drastically. And there's so much fucking value in that when it comes to saving lives. So if people who are listening didn't get that, that was like an aha moment for me. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's coming. But fuck, man. Even if shots are already fired, we look at it like, now you still know directly where you could go so you could stop that threat and then mm-hmm. still get first aid in there more timely. Stop the dying. Yeah, you just stop, you know, get in there, stop the bleed. Yeah. And it, to clear a shopping mall would be like 12 hours. I, yeah. I don't even know. Like you would do, be doing a terrible job of actually clearing it to actually get to where you need to be. Yeah. And nobody's really trained to truly clear a shopping mall. And hopefully you would run past things that you thought were safe, but like that could cr- cause danger in the middle of it. If you could skip clearing the whole mall and go to the store, you've now just knocked, you know, 11 hours off or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and invaluable. in a school, the same thing. Schools are enormous. To go clear a school, maybe it's like six hours. I've seen, I've seen a lot of schools cleared in real life at the end of it. And it's about six hours to clear a school. It's super gnarly. Yeah. And what if it could be three minutes? I mean, that's, that's our objective. It's, it's, it's our objective is to, before that shot's fired, the left of bang, whatever you want to call that, mm-hmm. proactive rather than react. And yeah. You heard it sounds so simple. And everyone asks, like, if this is real, why didn't, why wasn't I here for 20 years? Well, we're, we're yeah. working on it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so build education. Go ahead. Build a company that solves a problem that you think should already have a solution. That's pretty good. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm guilty of it. I sit back and, and a lot of times it's about bandwidth. And that's really the noble yeah. thing that I'm trying to like credit you guys with because I've sat back and been on a contract and such and such and I'm gone for two months or 90 days and home for a month or two or whatever. You're like, you know what? I know how to fix that. I don't know the technology to fix that, but like I know based on the you know, SOPs or tactics or whatever, like, man, this, this would be a cool idea. So for you guys to go, fuck it and go chips in on it. Like I admire the fuck out of that. I think that's fantastic because you, you figured out how to have the bandwidth or sacrifice to do it. And that is the hard part about when people find a, a solution to a problem and then they don't execute on it. We've been fortunate too, to get some badass people on a team suit. Like, I like it when I walk into the room, I'm like, I'm the dumbest motherfucker in here right now. I'm the dumbest room in the room. <laughs> dumbest dude in all the rooms. So it, it just it. takes balls. Yeah. You could decide tomorrow that you have balls and you could just do it. It turns out that like high intellect, high performance, everybody that we went to these beautiful business schools with, no they balls. don't have balls. <laughs> now they some do. I mean, they're amazing. But and they, but like that is the factor. The factor the the, the best doesn't win. Those who have balls and who are going to put it on the line are going to win. And then I think you have to look at like your total assets of like what you can risk, your mm -hmm. risk profile. And you have to count things that you weren't sure. Somebody brought this up to me was like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. And they're like, if you went all the way broke, would you sleep out in the street with your kids? No, my parents would let me stay at their house. Okay, that's an asset. Count it as an asset. They're like, okay, I guess. If you needed a loan, could you get a loan from a friend? I don't want to ask a friend. Well, yeah, I could. I'll tell you this story. I borrowed a bunch of money from a bunch of friends. <laughs> One of my friends in the SEAL teams, I borrowed money. He's active duty. He's still in. I borrowed $40,000 from him. He's like, dude, I got money. I got money. And I found out I've paid him back subsequently. Billy Blair... If you're listening, <laughs> he, he took out a personal loan uh, to give me a loan. He never told me until I paid him back. He's like, I got a funny story for you. So that whole veteran thing, a friend of mine borrowed $40,000 from the bank, wouldn't let me pay interest on it because he knew that I needed help. And that, that bond, that brotherhood that we've, we've gained, he didn't care. He's like, dude, I don't care if you ever pay me back. Like, those are assets. Yeah, that's that's, that's why you can roll the dice, and that's why you can decide to have balls tomorrow. It's it's not, it's not. Oh, am I smart enough? I'm not. That's it, that's such a number one. That's a fucking outstanding testament to collectively you collectively what was going on there, but also just the passion of the community to support from within, but the downfall of every single one of us and good on you, you know, accolades for no one asked for help. You sit there and you suffer quietly. But when you realize that like you have something awesome and then there's people that are willing to support you, I mean, it's and not to go down the rabbit hole, but that's like the whole, you know, veteran mental health and shit like that. A lot of guys sit yeah. there quietly and they don't fucking just say something. Awesome lady, Casey Wood, she's got this t-shirt. It says, just fucking ask. And it's the, uh, out. what's it called? Outreach. She'll kill me if I can't remember, but I'll figure it out. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, their thing is just talk. Like, just ask for help. And if you figure out somebody needs something, like, fucking speak up, man. Because I'll, I'll give you the shirt off my back. I don't give a fuck. 
because yeah. I'll get another shirt. It'll be all right. Or I'll be chilly for a little while. And that's cool too. So that's, that's <laughs> awesome. And the support from your friends. I had a caveat on that. I mean, you talk about the mental health. That's huge talking, but so is, uh, so is the noble mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, speaking personally, when Zero I started picking off, that was the best I felt since I got out of the SEAL teams. Oh, yeah. Because we had the mission and we had each other. Yeah, yeah we're, we're all in a tough spot mentally when we got out of the scene. How many guys listening to this are in that same condition? Yeah. When maybe the solution is find a, find a good fight and Absolutely. fucking dig in. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And bet on yourself. Like, you can win. It's possible. Like, when we went to business school, there was no hallowed book that told you how to open a business. There was no. none. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. No one really knows what they're doing. We're all just, you know, grasping at straws. Even the people that we assume know exactly what they do don't. They're just doing their best. Some people's best is better than others. So go ahead and make your best better than others and try. When you fail, get up. It sounds really easy and it's really hard to do. And I'm learning every day. But like... Stay in a fight. If you can do that with your buddies and the people that you love and care about you and who support you, you can move mountains. That's fantastic. I feel like I'm at a motivational speech with you guys. <laughs> this is great. I try to fire myself up so yeah. I keep doing it. I'm yeah. going to go do some <laughs> shit right now. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to do it. It's going to be coffee-fueled. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm a closet nerd with tech stuff. Okay, right. I wouldn't say I'm good at it. Were any of you guys calm? I don't speak Navy SEAL for calm guy, but like Echo was a JTAG. You were a JTAG as well. Ah, okay. I was just a total breacher, heavy gunner. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. When it comes to the technology, and I'm absolutely certain that there's things that you can't talk about. In my head, I'm going through the Rolodex of like guns and how does it find them? What can you talk about? That's you know, I want to know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Well, yeah, I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty open about it. We're just like about the tech for the most part. Like, I guess there's some secret sauce we don't talk about. I guess the way that it works is that we are doing something that's called computer vision, which is a branch of artificial intelligence. And realistically, we're processing frames frame by frame. So a movie runs at 24 frames a second. Cameras can run at 30 frames a second, 60 frames a second. And video is nothing but two-dimensional like pictures, and it just goes through pictures. Mm -hmm. And we measure the pixels up and down across, and we've defined an algorithm of what a gun is. And we did that by walking around with guns on similar cameras in similar environments hundreds of thousands of times. And at this point, you draw a box around, you define what a gun is. Mm -hmm. You add to your data set, you create all of our own data. And so frame by frame, like a video game, we use NVIDIA graphics cards and say, is there a gun in this image by what we've defined as a gun? Our definition is this bucket of these images Mm -hmm. is anything that's in these images happening right now in real time. And we can process that frame by frame. So it's computer vision, video analytics. And you can do a lot of things with those. And people ask us, why don't you do everything? And what I, we have learned is you could be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And we're going to be a master of one thing and not the jack of all trades. So we only do guns, frame by frame. Is there a gun in this image? And the technology stack that is required to do that, there's many different ways to go about it. And we A and B test everything. So, can you quantify the A and B test for those of us that are... So we just try things. Does this work? Mm-hmm. We try something else. Does this work better? You shit can the thing that doesn't work and then you do the other thing and then there's a new tree. Does this work better than this? 
and then you should can it. Mm-hmm. And it is the dumbest knuckling-est, knuckle-draggingest thing that you could do it, but it works. Works really well with That's my brain. It. Yeah, yeah you, you get like these small incremental 1%, 2% improvements but they compound so quickly over time. Over four years, it ends up with what we have now. Yeah, well, that's that's huge, actually. I don't know why I talked to somebody that was on a bicycle team and they figured out that they needed to like keep the bikes in a certain environment because the dust ruined the friction. Like, But they were looking for those 1% or, or not even 1% because after you add them all up and all of a sudden you figure out, well, okay, if this uniform, this helmet, this combination of things will get us 5% on this next race, that's a big jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, Always looking for that edge. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super curious. Through uh, your your system, you referenced guns that are not necessarily brandished or used, but are there and were detected. What's the weirdest mm-hmm. shit? Like, what's and then do you ever get the story behind it? I always want to know. Like, lots of times. Uh, I, I, it, it depends. Yeah, it depends. So but we do get the story. I mean, we detect them a lot, so we get the story a lot. But Rob's. So we have a monitoring center Mm. and we have more than one and that we're trying to fill entirely with veterans. And what we try to do in this monitoring center is every time there's something that looks like a gun, but it isn't, they determine and they say, this is in fact a gun and I'm going to dispatch it. And I'm going to start the pipeline of like spinning everybody up or this is not in fact a gun. It's a weird way somebody's holding a cell phone. And so we have one in Philadelphia where we're based. And then we have one in Hawaii. And we did the one in Hawaii. So it overlaps in time. It's redundant. There's also big military bases there and we can get transitioning veterans who don't want to leave the island. Mm, so what we can do is I can take somebody who's used to standing guard duty, watch duty, whatever you want to call it, who is never going to you know, flinch having to do shift work like that. I can teach them IT. Then I can teach them AI. I can bring them up in the company. So any you know, E4s transitioning look us up yeah. <laughs> who wants to live in Hawaii and, uh, or Philadelphia as we're building more of these. Um, and so I'll, I'll do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So we're, I want to teach AI. I want, I want a skill set that matters and a mission that matters and have these people do it. So we talk directly with the law enforcement. We, we send these things through. One of the big things that we've seen is something called senior assassin day and senior assassin day. I didn't play this in school. Uh, is like you could shoot paintballs, airsoft guns, the gel guns, water guns hmm. at someone else. They give you a list and you're supposed to do it as a surprise. Walking around with a gun or something that looks like a gun in a school as a surprise, I gotcha. That's not funny. It's yeah. not funny in this environment. Yeah. And we have seen that happen in schools where there were shootings in the same district like that day or the next day. And that behavior is to me crazy. We see TikTok challenges where people use guns as like first-person shooters where they have like the cell phone behind the gun and they're pointing it at somebody else. So it looks like Call of Duty. Yes, we've seen, so fucked. We've seen a lot of stuff in the middle of the night. We mm-hmm. see a lot of police officers drawn in the middle of the night because they're responding to something that you know we didn't know about. Um, we see a lot of things where like they use cell phones to make it look like a gun and then a lot of kids are laying down. What do, what do you mean drawn in the middle of the night? Police officers? Like they're responding to some call in the middle mm-hmm. of the night of a school because mm-hmm. we monitor 24-7. Right. And they have their gun out responding to something that, gotcha. you know, yeah, yeah. some crazy person goes to school. I, we don't usually get those stories because mm-hmm. it's law enforcement doing their job. But a lot of the time, the it, they don't have to tell us what's going on. We tell them the information that we see. Yeah. We can't paint a story. We don't know. 
this is what we see. Here's the information. And they'll get back and we're like, oh, let me tell you what happened to this one. And so those stories are kind of funny, but like the environment and the, the childhood psychological tr- trauma that I think is being caused by a lot of this is only increased by senior assassin day or whatever these things. Well, I mean, I think the factor, because I'm, I'm wrapping my head around it, you know, and I think about my kids and I, the fact that there's, you know, this rock star vision of being a shooter. And I just don't understand the, the mental deficit that causes that or the affinity to, you know, the TikTok videos or the senior challenge or, or whatever they put out. I, I just don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. And I, I don't know that any of us really no. can, but obviously you've come up with a solution for the problem, which is the end goal. Um, it blows my mind and it, and it creates a sense of fear. And I think that nobody wants to, I mean, if I could homeschool my kids forever, I would, but that's not the solution because there's lots of people that can't. It's having a safe environment for them to go to that's monitored and people you know, pay attention to what the fuck's going on. And, and it's a balance too. Like you don't want to turn schools into like a maximum security prison. Everyone's walking through metal detectors, clear backpacks for whatever they do. Yeah. Bulletproof doors and windows everywhere. Everything's locked. It's like... That's not a learning environment. No, and that creates probably some other shit that we're not forecasting for some long-term, you know, yeah. mental <laughs> issues or, 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 or yeah. The things are getting weird. So, like, those are those are kids having fun. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the more serious ones, like Uvalde. Uh, he, uh, I'm really going with that one. Oh, no, Sam. Oh, look at me. <laughs> yeah, so, brain farting. Yeah, it's a total brain fart right now. Well, just, I think, you're probably thinking the same thing as my brain's all over the place, but people taking these, um, I don't even know what the word is, but they're seeing these TikTok things and they think it's its funny, but it's almost like we've lost a collective sense of compassion for what shit has just That's happened. That's where I was going with it. He, kids don't have that measure and I feel like I want to smack the shit out of their parents yeah. and go like, are you not instilling the fact that this is a super traumatic thing and we need to like do something about it and build... I mean, I talk to my kids about exactly how to protect themselves in the event that something goes sideways. We were talking about this with Hoyce Gracie the other day. It's a mentality that I definitely don't think everybody has. I know for a fact that if there is a shooter in a mall, because I've rehearsed it in my head... Oh, I was just about to say fucking times Yeah, I think we've all have. <laughs> that I'm going to go smash or go there and I'm going to close with and destroy... Oh, yeah. And the chances... Pick up a fucking pencil, scissors, whatever you need. I will (laughs) kill you with a a, a, a churro from fucking Taco Bell somehow. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, so not to derail you, but I think the thought process is the same, like this glorification and the lack of sensitivity. You got me back to us. So they were doing it for fun, whereas the Evaldi shooter, he was taunted and called a school shooter and he liked it. Like he, he, he embraced was, it. He was adamant about the fact that, oh yeah, I'm the kind of person who would be a school shooter. Yeah. How demented do you have to be? Like the, the fun thing, I get that. Like that's, it's ridiculous and it should be, shouldn't happen. But there's also people who embrace it and mm-hmm. think it's awesome. Like he, he called other people humans and as an insult, mm-hmm. he called himself inhuman. So we're dealing with some psychological stuff. Nobody fully understands. It certainly got worse after COVID, but this has been going on for quite a while, even before Columbine. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what to do with it, but we, we've got a thing that's proactive right now, a pragmatic solution. And like a lot of people have a lot of good ideas to talk about mental health and whatnot. They talk about gun control. Mm-hmm. Keep talking, but yep. we have something right now. And, and to, to one more point, we're talking about kids. We also, 
we don't do facial recognition. We, we can't store biometric data. We can't yeah. associate names with faces. We're just detecting we have an no object. Or privacy concerns. We detect one inanimate object, and that's mm-hmm. a gun. And we could do it in thousands of different configurations. We are, we are the best in the world at that one thing to make sure the people listening aren't worried about us invading privacy. Oh, man. That, didn't, that wasn't even a blip on my radar. Just want to make it clear. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good question people usually ask. Absolutely. And, and thanks for bringing that up because to me, you've come up with a solution. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, can we get to the school district where my kids are at? But that wasn't even a blip, but it's important to say because, you know, people are afraid. And there's the extremists who are 2A people and they go, well, that's too much control. It's like, well, wait a second. This is like not a thing. And we're not trying to ID a kid or, or put him out there or, or right. take pictures. We're just trying to... Looking for nefarious problem. actors. Yeah. That's it. So oh, that's, that's one of my favorite words, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the mil- that's a good military word. Yeah. <laughs> so my wife's a teacher, and uh, I think that she is a nurturer, right, inherently. Mm-hmm. And she is trying to create good citizens. When she shows up to work every day, you know, as a teacher, she's not teaching, she's taking care of our kids right now. But her goal should be, how can I connect with these kids and then make good citizens, right? Whatever that means. And that's always been our goal, make good citizens. And what she can't do is think about how to make good citizens when she has to look and fear something, right? Yes. And we're trying to make you feel safer so that you can better nurture. If you are nurturing better, you can identify these threats sooner because a lot of these people show beforehand. So I'd like to think that we're giving a tool that is making them better at nurturing because like, I think that we're protectors. I mean, that's kind of like a, a different you know, a way that I view myself as a protector. And if we can do that and let the nurturers do their job, they're going to hopefully be able to do that psychological thing a little bit better, pay attention and, and notice those small changes like, they're not okay and I need to do something. As opposed to being overwhelmed, if we can take one fear away and alleviate that and let them do their job just a little bit better, I think we're going to be in a better place. I think it's a multifaceted solution. You know, it's not just, yep, we find guns. A better environment makes you more comfortable. It makes you more attentive to the students. You know, I'm, I'm speculating and putting myself in, in your wife's shoes as, as an educator, but it, it really lets you be a lot more attentive to what you need to do when you're not worrying about that thing, you know, about the potential for risk of death. And no matter what, we just view ourselves as one layer, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you see it, it makes sense. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And that's really our only goal. Is it the only thing? Absolutely not. But it is something that's like least intrusive where it's in the background. You don't even really have to know that it's running. You don't have to tell anybody. It could be there, hopefully to make you feel safer. And sometimes very intrusive things actually have like the counter that they make you feel less safe. Like if you walk through a metal detector, sometimes that could have like the opposite effect. Mm -hmm. You think, well, why do I need to do this? There's certain environments where it's, you know, that, that we could work together and combine with all of those things to make the, a very robust solution. But we're just like one layer that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and the fact that it's less intrusive, you know, utilizing video cameras allows that comfort. You know, I don't want my kids to feel like they're going, you know, checking into the pen to see dad at jail, you know, when they're getting... <laughs> <laughs> it might happen someday, guys. Yeah, so just, it might, yeah. But, you know, you want them to have a, a comfortable, conducive environment right. to learn. You know, I never thought about that shit as a kid. It just wasn't a thing because I could, well, I'm old, but I could comfortably go to school and it wasn't a big deal. Okay. So how does that feel? Because obviously you had ties with your school and what you could see and this passion project. How does it feel where you're at now? 
I, I can't imagine. I'm looking at you with admiration and like you guys have done something so fucking outstanding. Do you ever take a step back and go like, this is pretty fucking awesome? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the time. Uh, we, we try to remind ourselves to live in a moment, not, not think too far into the future. But when I mean, we're talking about this morning when we have breakfast, we're just like, pretty fucking like I wake up in the morning I'm excited to get to work yeah and it's yeah this is this is the deal we're gonna save some lives one day and it's gonna feel fucking awesome like a noble purpose Back I think it. no matter what an overnight success takes at least like five to seven years <laughs> and uh and I'm, that's not a joke though like like every day like you gotta grind and like you know people talk about getting knocked down and getting back up but like you have to do that for like seven years and all of our friends... Like, 365 days. It's every day we have a new problem. Something mm -hmm. pops up and we're like, all right, let's get to and it. How do we attack this? Yeah, you saw it right and, there. Live in a moment. And so do I wish we were on more cameras today? Mm -hmm. I'm going to wish that every single day because the more ubiquitous we are, the more we're going to save lives. I know that we are. And so let's get on more. The more that we're going to solve problems and alleviate concerns and we're going to make people feel better. So do I wish that I were already on every single camera that exists? Of course. And so, I mean, that's the, that, that's our goal. So like every day, you know, you have lucid moments, like we're doing the thing. Yeah. You just make it work every single day, like make it work, whatever it is. Oh, this thing's broken. Fix this. This thing's broken. Fix this. You didn't follow the checklist. I'm going to give you a checklist to follow the checklist. Yep. Didn't get that cover letter on the TPS report. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead See my red you. stapler? Go ahead and email you That'd be great. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and have to have you work 365 right. days right. in a row. And so I, I think that we do have those kind of lucid moments. You're like, we're doing the thing. But do every single day I wish that we were further? Yeah. Okay, so this is going to be a hard question. Private entities, I'm assuming, have the money to pay for this. What's the mechanism to get them into the county or the whatever that doesn't have the money to do it? How how can it be supported more effectively? Yeah, so so private, they they have their money sources. So commercial, we're good to go. Mm -hmm. Government, that's a different beast. We we do contracts. We have Air Force contracts doing uh, unmanned aerial system, unmanned aerial vehicle, uh, ground unmanned ground vehicles, the robotic dog. Unmanned aerial systems. I saw that fucking thing. It is creepy. I and was, it is effective. I was driving on the base, little base where I work. I'm sorry to, yeah. and I saw just the way it moves. And I'm the idiot. I like put it in park and I got out and I go, can, can I take a picture of this thing? Can I pet that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, did. I videoed it. I was like, can I touch it? I don't know. Can I push it? Like, what's going on here? You and can they, kick those things and they, they get right back up. Like, oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> now it's, I know. It, it's, Imagine a pack of them coming after you. Yeah, creepy. You'd be like, fuck. Yeah, because they're like, you can armor them and everything. And yeah. like, you've seen the ones that have uh, the guns attached to them. You're just like, that's, that's terminated. And they, don't, I, they don't look real. Like no, when, they they, when they're moving, like we, I mean, we have one in our office and yeah. like I recorded it, like as soon as we got it, and I posted the video on the channel and like, it looks computer generated. Like you're just like, my video that I took personally kind of looks fake to me. Like Absolutely. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like this should be real. Well, they were walking it to like the base commander or something. And then they were going to have this pool of like trying to figure out what to name it. I go, Steve, I think. <laughs> or like Bruce. <laughs> like name it something. Steve. Anyways, Anyone see Bob? <laughs> Where'd Bob go? It's so smart now. They're putting AI on these things, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, so that's on the government side. Other cool stuff like drones. We have drone nuts, uh, larger drones. Like we're figuring out different mechanisms there. But the, the education side of the house... Yeah, they have limited funds. So we have two grant writers on staff to help out write oh. the grant. 
process for the schools. That's we, awesome. We don't want money to be an issue for, for schools not having this because we're talking about something as significant as stopping a mass shooter. We will bend over backwards to find the money for them. And we, we are with these grant writers. And then we're also working. Do you want to hit on the lobbying effort? We, so we do like the, uh, the bottoms up grassroots knife fighting sales from bottoms up, like go to school district, school district. But we also work like a top down approach, working with like legislation so we could get funds appropriated specifically for school security for stuff like this. And it's starting to move. Um, some states, we're focused on just a handful of states at the moment, but yeah, it's, it's, Knock on wood. It's working well right now. The ultimate example is the fire alarm. Every building in America has to have a fire alarm and a sprinkler system. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the odds of dying? Yeah, so it's, a, it's about, it's a, what's it, 12, 12, 15 times more people die from gun violence in the United States in a given year than they do from fires. But every building you walk into, you see a smoke detector and a fire suppression system. You're talking about when we grew up in school. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to worry about active shooters. <laughs> we, we had a fire alarm drill. Our parents grew up doing nuclear fallout shelter drills. Our kids are doing active shooter drills. Like, what the hell is wrong? So I, I see it. I don't know if it's going to take three years, five years, eight years, who knows. But we're working towards it where it, this is going to be building code, where you go in, they have security cameras, they have weapon detection systems on them. Um, it's just a matter of time. It's the way it has to be. The initial first steps, though, is yeah, the, the grant writing process is the first foot in the door to, to educate um, policymakers, legislators that we're out there. We can do what we say we can do. And we're plugged into a bunch of schools right now, proving it. Yeah, it's just a lot of awareness and education on our part to be like, hey, this, this exists. This is how it works. Like we're setting a benchmark on how they should perform. Um, yeah, see how it goes. Well, when Trevor did the intro, like this is in my wheelhouse and it, it's something I'm passionate about. So I think it's fucking awesome. Um, and, it, you know, hopefully there's, there's a teacher or there's a somebody listening that goes, let me figure out how to get a hold of these people and get the ball rolling on that grant writing process or whatever. How do they, how would they find you? How would they seek you out? Website, zeroeyes.com, zeroeyes.com. That's the best place to go. Mm -hmm. Multiple resources on there. Yeah. Just Google AI gun detection will pop up. I hope you guys double in employees and you're in all the fucking states. Like to now. We'll stop a shooting. Man. I want veterans with conspicuous talent. That's what we're looking for. So, or PhDs that could win a bar fight. The OSS, <laughs> the precursor, the precursor to uh, the CIA was the OSS, mm-hmm. and the recruiting method was PhDs who could win a bar fight, and we're, I guess, MBAs who could win a war. Um, Hell yeah! <laughs> well, it's a war here. It's right. a war in our backyard. Yeah, you know, you know, the the U.S. is it's an amazing place, right? You know, there's there's a lot of bickering, but it's still it's still a bastion of everything. Like the best surgeon in the world might not have been born here, but they probably live here. The best schools in the world, the best university system are in the United States. But our K through 12 is not necessarily great overall. Our healthcare system's absolutely incredible at the highest end. But if you have a cold and you're going to a minute clinic, you might not be doing that well. Um, I want to make this country a little bit better, a little bit safer and a little bit less embarrassing. I want to live up to the ideals that we set forth and be a little bit better. And we're taking a small step in that direction, solving one of like the most vexing problems that exists is the gun problem in the United States. Why is it, you know, where I live in, I live in Philadelphia and where I live, I feel really, really sad. I really love my neighborhood. It's really cool, but Philadelphia is a dangerous city. Mm -hmm. How can both of those 
things exist at the same time. And like we need to, we need to do something about this. And I can't offer thoughts and prayers. That's not within me. Action, motherfucker. We are going to do something. So let's take a step in the right direction and let's try to solve one of the hardest problems and make America a little bit like more awesome rather than, you know, embarrassing. And we just let everybody bicker over it's this side, it's that side. No, I'm going to take a step in the right direction. I'm going to try to solve the problem. I'm going to use technology to do it. I could not think of a better closing statement. So right there, I'm going to thank you so much for coming out. It was absolutely fantastic to meet you guys. And I hope everybody figures out how they can support it and get it and bring it to their community. I think it's amazing. I really appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Yeah. yeah. And thank you. Thanks for having us on. That, that noble purpose and you guys have it. So. Rock on. The right. place you guys have yours. Baller. We got to get... No, that system would be poor here because there's guns <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. It's a very dangerous place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!